And welcome back, sports fans. It's your it's Coach Hess's Sports Horner with Coach Hess and Brad Cross. And Brad, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty well, Donnie. Thanks for having me back on. Ready to chat some sports today. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. You know, and thankfully, this week has been a little less inventive when it comes to anything other than sports, which is always great. So we'll hop into the game plan here and we're going to kind of keep into our nice little uh, nice zone here. So we say with our college sports heading to football and we're going to check out some NHL and then the always anticipated crazy stat of the week. Cannot wait for this episode. Let's hop into our first section, college sports. We got to talk about it, sir. We got to talk about it. The college football season is officially over. We have a new national championship and surprise, surprise. It's Alabama. Yep. Yep. And quite frankly, the way that that game went, they, they really deserve it. I mean, I think that things maybe could have gone a little bit differently had Trey Sermon not gotten hurt. And and before we get a lot, whole lot further into it, I, I do have to say I feel really bad for Trey Sermon, especially the fact that he's a former Oklahoma player, just getting – having all the stuff that's happened to him, getting the transfer to Ohio State, really breaking out and getting a little bit better as the season went on, having that great game against Clemson. And then to be knocked out in the first play of the game, Donnie, that that has got to suck. So all my all my thoughts and prayers with Trey Sermon, and hopefully he can recover and get back into get back into the swing of things sooner rather than later. But fifty two to twenty four. I mean, how about that performance by Alabama, Donnie? Uh, you just unfortunately you have to say it. It was kind of predictable. Um, I think a lot. I think it was the biggest thing that everybody was discussing going into this game was was can Ohio State's defense get stops. And as we saw by the scoreboard, it did not happen very often. They did get a few turnovers here. I mean, the, the fumble, the fumble recovery that they got early in the first quarter kind of made you think a little bit. Like as I was watching the game to start off, I was like, okay, Ohio State's defense is getting after Mac Jones, but it just the quality of this Alabama team started to show as the game went on, and that second quarter just got out of hand so quickly for Ohio State. They were they were facing an absolute tsunami of offensive ability they just did not have the surfboard to be able to surf it and it just did it just didn't work for them on i i I applaud ohio state they never gave up they continued fighting back i mean they could have rolled over after that second quarter but in all Devontae smith shows he is the best player in college football this year the heisman trophy is is thoroughly deserved because there was nothing ohio state could do no matter where they put him on the field he was open mac jones found him it was just it was a great it was a game plan by the incoming new texas head coach sarkeesian he had a masterful game plan and he did it to perfection 12 receptions 215 yards and three touchdowns Oh, and by the way, he got hurt in the third quarter and didn't play at all in the second half. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's a dream stat line for a receiver to have in a game. This dude had it in the national championship. I mean, that's just – In a half in the that's, national that's championship a, game. Yeah, that's just – that's incredible. And the yards after contact, too. I mean, I don't want to discredit, discredit Mac Jones at all. He did a fantastic job as well. But the ability of – of Devontae Smith to make the play happen on his own after the catch. That for me was the thing that really stood out. I mean, it's just incredible. And you can see why the Heisman voters gave him the trophy. It's, it's just impressive. 
Yes, very well deserved. And no matter where you put him, he can get open. He always has great hands, and he he's really good with the ball after the catch. It was absolutely amazing to watch this young man play football. It was also a little disheartening to see the whole Waddle situation and then hearing that broken ankle and he still tried to play. And after that first play where he gets the first down, I, I literally he started hobbling, and I'm just like, I'm like, yeah. they got to shut this kid down. they got to shut him down. They can't let him destroy potentially his future just because he wants to play in a national championship game this is exactly this is one point i i know this is this is pie in the sky this is this is a guy sitting in his in in his room in his in his living room going yeah coach saban needs to know better well again he knows the player a little bit better than i do but even yeah even some of the nfl i i noticed on on social media some of the nfl wide receivers were like they need to shut him down get him off and let him recover because he did not look good. And it was really sad to see that. And I'll give a little bit of slack to Saban here. And and I don't do that often, but um, it it is a bit of a coach's nightmare when, Mm -hmm. when you have a player who is that talented, who who has worked so hard over the course of his career at Alabama, who has wanted to play in a national championship, gets hurt early on the season, loses so much of playing time in the season. And to get to the point where he's, questionable and on the verge of coming back for the national championship game you want to play him but at the same time you don't want to like you say risk his future or anything like that so that that whole situation really is a bit of a coach's nightmare and and I and and I bet that coach Saban probably lost a little bit of sleep trying to figure out what the best decision was because you really do have to think about the long-term health of the athlete so it's it's Good for him that he was able to get a little bit of action in and was able to win the game. But yeah, it, it it's a little bit, it's a little unfortunate on both sides there. Yeah. And, and coming from a coach's opportunity is like, there, there are some times that you have to, you have to tell a player no. And, and it's the most difficult thing to do because the great players, the players that want to be out there, that they want to make an impact. They, they don't know how to control themselves. They're the most difficult people to try to let them know you need to not do this. You have to make the best decision for the young man. Do, do I give Nick Saban a little bit of a slack a little bit? Yes. But even still, he's got to see that this young man is not at 100%. It should not be wasting his time. So it's like, I'm, I, like I said, I'm on the fence. I, I understand the argument. Of the kid wants to play, but the coach has got to make the decision for the best of the player, not just for his team. So, so we'll, we'll I don't know. This, this national championship was almost kind of anticlimactic. I think everybody kind of guessed what it was going to be. The results maybe been a little bit closer than some people guess, but in all, I, I think <laughs> I'm ready it, it to kind of lay it kinda, this college it, football season to bed for a little bit. Exactly. I mean, it, it's it's one of those things where I I ended up going to bed once the fourth quarter started. I was like, okay, this is this is in the bag. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit the I'm gonna hit the sack. So it, it was it was it was a good job by Alabama. It was a it, it was an intriguing game. It was fun to see. It was fun to see the skill in the first half and the third quarter and all that, but yeah, it it is one of those things where, as a neutral fan, you kind of want to see a little bit of a closer game. Mm-hmm. But I think definitely in the end, it, it wasn't a surprise that Alabama was able to score as much as they were able to. It, it was really just a matter of is Ohio State able to keep up with them and go stride for stride and and get a couple of stops. And simply simply put, they weren't able to do it. So. Credit to credit to Ohio State. I mean, they've they've had quite a roller coaster season in their own right. They've had to deal with COVID issues on other teams, and they had to 
have the whole thing with the Big Ten about whether or not they'd even be able to play in their own conference title game. They get the all-time high of beating the crap out of Clemson and then right back down to earth with Sermon getting hurt early on and not being able to keep up and losing and in the end pretty heftily to Alabama. But I, I got a pretty funny stat for you. So right before the game started, the over-under for points was 75. 52 to 24, that's 76. So I, I do feel kind of bad for anybody who bet the under on that game and missed it by one point. <laughs> oh, man, all, all of life is timing. All of life is timing. That's that's yep. absolutely insane. Uh, just kind of shows you maybe maybe one more touchdown here or there. It, it's such a different game. So, so before we, we kind of close the door on this COVID infested kind of nutty college football season. That's putting it, it, it lightly. Yeah, I know. It did provide us some great games, but I got to say that already, like not even 24 hours after the college football championships, there's already betting lines in the national championship already next year. And there was a few interesting little pop-ups. I got to say again, Ohio state, Alabama, Clemson are three of the top five. You got to say that, but seeing Iowa State in the top 10 was definitely something that surprised me a little. But then when you look at it, they've got a ton of returning guys. They get their starting quarterback, their leader, and their starting middle linebacker. I mean, if you're in the Big 12 having Oklahoma and Iowa State both in the top 10 of the betting odds next year, I mean, the Big 12, whole man, could have a dynamite matchup between those two next year. Well, and then Steve Sarkeesian going to Texas, you got to wonder how that whole thing's going to play out. So if he's able to right the ship there, then you've got o- OU, Texas, and Iowa State kind of battling it out for those those top three spots and ultimately those higher rankings in the CFP poll. But, yeah, Iowa State right now is projected to re- return 10 offensive starters and eight defensive starters. Mm-hmm. So for a head coach, that, that I was just talking about a coach's nightmare with the whole Waddle situation. This is a coach's dream right here mm-hmm. because you've got – an Iowa state team that just came off of a Fiesta Bowl win and they're going into next year. They're returning Brock Purdy they're returning Brees Hall. So let I've said, I've given a couple of friendly little jabs to Iowa state here and there, but you, you gotta be scared if you're going up against this Iowa state team and, and coming from an Oklahoma fan, I gotta say that is going to be a absolute ripper of a game. Mm-hmm. That's going to be insane between Iowa state and Oklahoma next year. That's, that's going to be a, a college game day type of game. But, yeah, like you were saying, the Ohio States, the Clemson, Alabama, those type of teams, Georgia is going to be another interesting one. It's going to be Clemson and Georgia kicking off the season in Charlotte next year. So a neutral site game for Clemson and Georgia to start the year. So you have to think, DJ Uyangalele, is he going to be able to show up and is he going to be able to take over that offense for Trevor Lawrence? you got to wonder how that transition of power is going to go. So it's going to be really interesting. Also losing Travis Etienne, Amari Rogers, those guys. It's it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see how Clemson can go. They're only returning projected to return five starters, but defensively they're projected to return all, all but one. Mm-hmm. So that Clemson defense is going to be seriously, seriously tough. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, you got to look at is Clemson is always in the top five recruiting class. We don't know. And what's, what's behind ETN. I mean, we already know who Lawrence's replacement is. So the one thing that you got to say that Clemson, that Lawrence is sitting out for COVID actually was good for next year. 
because of the fact now they've got a quarterback, he's got experience, he's had some game time, he's already been in a big game as well too. So you don't have to worry about the kid coming in and having and not having any experience. Question will be is what is your experience in your backfield? What is your experience the wide receiver, your offensive line? Because I mean, he can't perform. A quarterback cannot perform if he doesn't have an offensive line to block for him and then weapons to use. So Clemson will be a very interesting team next year, and that Clemson-Georgia game could be an absolute cracking game just to start off the season. It just it'll be, it'll be always interesting. I mean, you know the first few weeks are going to be nutty because you're going to have some big matchups and you're going to have some cupcakes versus small. The biggest question will be is by then will COVID be under control or we'll have fans in the stands. I mean, exactly. there's, there's so many little things, how will recruiting go? Cause you still have final signing day. So how many, any of these recruiting classes going to bolster up most of them at early signing day. Most of the kids sign at early signing day. So there shouldn't be a ton of changes, but you just, you never know. There's occasional top 10 kid that may decide they want to wait till the end. So, so college football, that was awesome. Again, COVID kind of both added and subtracted a little bit from it with no college fan, with no fans, but it did provide some quite interesting results and, and quite interesting year and some very frustrating moments. But we will we will put this this college football season to rest and move to the hardwood where it just keeps getting better better and better each and every week and i gotta start off with one of the games that we discussed going into this weekend texas west virginia in west virginia and this game comes down to one of the final shots did you see this game brad and what did you think of this game yeah i saw the highlights of this game and it it just goes to show you that texas is not messing around I mean, they are they are serious this year. They are to be reckoned with. And West Virginia, like we've been talking about, they're they're no cupcake, but they they have had quite the quite the stretch here in the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve in general is just going to be really really tough this year. So we're seeing Texas come come to the forefront here with Baylor. Seeing Kansas kind of slip up a little bit here and there. We're, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about Kansas later, but yeah, Andrew Jones, how about that, huh? cold-blooded shot and the fact that this young man had a can't had can't had cancer issues and had to leave the team there for a little bit um my gosh i mean it was absolutely insane to see the great story but the crazy part about it is i actually did watch this game and west virginia pretty much led most of this game texas just could not get going at the start of the game their offense was not hitting they were not hitting their shots many of many of their they just for some weird reason just wasn't clicking and West Virginia kind of got them. Like they jumped on them early, got up to double digits and Texas kind of chipped away. They, they didn't, they didn't have a ton of runs in this game. This was one of those, they'd get three, they'd get two, they'd get a stop, they'd get a basket, they'd get a stop, they'd get a basket. Yeah, it's kind of like, kind of like that Iowa Rutgers game from last weekend. I mean, it was kind of close here and there. Rutgers would have the lead and I would have the lead and kind of flip flop back and forth. And it was kind of who would land the telling blow right at the end. So yes. And, and that's, it was, it was really, it was really a game of, of they just had to stay with it. Texas had to stay with it. You could tell West Virginia was kind of getting fatigued later in that game. Again, 
again, they've had a few injuries, so they don't have as deep a squad as normal. And like I said, Andrew Jones hits this absolutely massive three. The Texas bench goes nuts. Timeout is called. West Virginia can't find a way to get a shot, but a very, very, very hard-earned victory by the Longhorns here, which which will set them up for some big, big games, including one later today that we'll, we'll discuss a little bit on. Moving days, another absolutely um, great game. Iowa, Minnesota, the rematch um, back in Iowa City, and the high and the and Iowa finds a way to get a 15 point win over a Minnesota team that they could not could not find a way to beat in Minneapolis, and they put up 15 and beat them by 15. I mean, I have to say this was an impressive game by the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, it, you know, it was a tough one, and it seems like both times this year it's been, it's been tough for Iowa to to pull away from Minnesota. And you, we could definitely see when they played in Minneapolis that it was Minnesota just refusing to get knocked down and that they would stand up after every blow and they would keep fighting all the way to the end and they ended up winning that game. But it was a it was a run early on in the second half that kind of separated it. And once it kind of got out to that big of a lead, it was really a little bit harder for Minnesota to keep pushing back. So it's another good one for Iowa, 33 points for Luca Garza. I mean – this dude is just so good. And I mean, there's not a whole lot more we can even say. I mean, we've, we've said so much about Luca Garza and there are a lot of people I know that are trying to say, Oh, Garza's not, not really that good, whatever. So to those guys, I'm like, dude, come on. This, this guy is, this guy's taking advantage of the fact that not only is he, not only is he talented in his own right, but he's got guys that know how to get him the ball in good spots. Mm-hmm. And he knows how to get them the ball in good spots. And that's why this Iowa team is so good, is that they can feed off of each other's strengths and they can use that to their advantage and then go on these types of runs that we saw in the second half and pull away in games that they have to be able to win. Mm-hmm. So so fair play to Minnesota. I mean, they, they put up a good fight, but in the end, Iowa was just too good. This, this was one of those games. It showed the difference between Iowa on a good day and Iowa on a bad day. I, I, I watched the first game, and Iowa had one of the worst performances of the season in this game at Minnesota. They did not shoot well. Garza was frustrated most of the game, could not get his game going. By the time he did get his game going, they were they were already starting to have some issues. This was a game where Garza and the t- entire team played one of its best performances. And Minnesota I mean, four, had the 14 opposite. assists. 14 exactly. assists for Jordan Bohannon. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's insane. But the, but the guy's only a scorer. I, I, I got to admit, the guy's a great shooter. He can pass the ball really well. Here, here's the kind of thing that I've, I've said this to a few people, and, and this is not me bashing Luca Garza at all. Luca Garza is an amazing basketball player. But unfortunately, here's, here's the one fact I've told a lot of my friends. Will he be a great NBA player? I do not believe so. And this is no fault of his at all. But he – the the quick twitch athleticism that you are going to need to be in the league. I do not believe he possesses it. This is nothing against him at all. He's going to go to Europe. He's going to have a great career. He's going to do very, very well. I just don't see his game translating to the NBA the way some people think it, they think it will. The NBA big man is not the same guys like Anthony Davis, guys like Carl Anthony Towns, 
the big athletic guys that can take you off the dribble, that's the NBA now. It's not the Shaquille O'Neal's and Hakeem Elijah ones. They run rim to rim. They only get about 10 feet from the rim max when it comes to it. That's not the NBA anymore, unfortunately. This is nothing against Luca Garza. This is not bashing Luca Garza at all. He's an amazing player. I just don't see his game translating to the NBA very well. This is no slide on him. I hope he proves me wrong. I really yeah. do. I just I don't I don't see it because when he gets pulled out to play guard and when he has to guard on pick and roll offenses, he's too he's not quick enough. Guards get underneath him, they get into his hips, and they get to the rim. Then he gives up fouls. That was one of the ways Gonzaga got him a lot, was he could not guard the pick and roll. And the pick and roll absolutely kills Iowa. I'm really surprised a lot of teams have not tried to use it more. But as an Iowa fan, I have to say you'll, you'll take that. Pretty nice. um, we'll, 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 skip off, we'll skip off our Iowa bandwagon just a little bit and go to one of the upsets of that particular Sunday, Maryland beating Illinois in Champaign. I have to admit, after watching Maryland play Iowa earlier in the week, I was like, this is an okay Maryland team. Not exactly one of Maryland's better teams. And they go to Champaign and beat the Illini by three. I mean, is it just me or does... I'm not that impressed with this Illini team. Maybe it's just me. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think earlier in the season, I think we were we were kind of hyping them up a little bit more. I mean, we were... they. They had just beaten Duke, right? Mm-hmm. And and we were we had kind of been talking about how they were starting to look like a bit of a problem in the Big Ten. But I don't know, man. I, do you think that this may have been a case of Maryland being just better than Illinois, or do you think it may have actually been just a case of Illinois just having a bad day? Because because I know that that these teams can always have the bad days, but there's really no excuse to lose by three at home to Maryland. I mean, I mean, all credit, all credit to Maryland, but they're they're definitely not one of those top tier Big Ten teams that we've been talking about over the course of the year. I just, I don't know this Illinois team. As soon as I, I can't put my finger on what their problem is. I really can't. I mean, their two losses in conference are Maryland and Rutgers. So Rutgers is an okay loss to me. Okay. I, I don't mind that loss. That loss is not as bad as some say Rutgers is a really solid basketball team. I think they're going to be in the top half of the big 10, but this loss to a Maryland team that honestly at home, I don't know. I just, I don't like its optics. The optics do not look good and they haven't really even faced the toughest part of their schedule yet i mean you've you've got ohio state coming up on saturday then you've got games against michigan state iowa wisconsin michigan again minnesota wisconsin ohio state i mean they haven't even faced the toughest part of the big 10 yet and they've already got two losses so just i'm not liking them staying where they are in the Big Ten, they're third right now with two with two losses just behind Iowa with Michigan at the top and Michigan we'll we'll discuss here in a tiny bit. I just I don't see them staying where they are. I see them losing at least four more games, if not five. I mean, you just never know how a Tom Izzo Michigan State team is. I mean, they're another one that's kind of odd in the Big Ten that I'm just like I'm looking at the results and looking at the team and I'm just like what I was told at the start of the year and what I'm seeing are not the same thing. I almost kind of, I don't want to say it, but I almost want to peg Illinois as a two player team 
Desumu in the center, and that's about it. After that, there really isn't there isn't the impressive team that I was led to believe going into the season. So, yeah, I don't know. I just it it, it well, and I'll tell you what. And Michigan State, you were just talking about, they had that run in December where they lost consecutively to Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, and then they also just lost to Purdue last Friday at home. At home. Yeah, and so they're they're going to have to go to Carver-Hawkeye tomorrow night, and then after that they're going to have a home game against Indiana and then Illinois. So, like you were saying, Michigan State is really weird too because earlier in the year that they, they went and beat Duke as well. Them and Illinois both beat Duke. So now you're at the point where you, you kind of have to wonder about Michigan State too. Are they for real or are they they're kind of falling off? So I mean they're two and four in conference. Mm-hmm. I mean you, you you hardly ever expect to see a team coached by Tom Izzo to be at that point. Well, I, I'm almost I'm almost hating to say it like they're really they're really missing some of that veteran leadership with Cassius Winston and some of the guys that retired some of the guys that graduated. They like they they literally are showing like they did not have the stocks behind them that I think Izzo thought he did. Either that or just they just they have not been preparing well for some of their opponents. I mean I don't I I don't like going there, but I just this has not been an Izzo Michigan State team that you come to expect. Like I'm I'm almost hating to say it. Like I'm looking at it now and going, I think the Big Ten's a two horse race. I think it's Michigan and Iowa. I think it's it. I mean especially like we can transition now. I mean, yesterday's game with Michigan and Wisconsin, like I legitimately was under the impression this Wisconsin team was legit. Like they were going to be a top 10 team. This team was going to be an elite eight possibility and Michigan absolutely waxed them. I mean, they were up 17 and a half. This was not a close at one time. Michigan went on a 34 to three run. Oh my gosh. I could not believe what I was watching. They were, they were up by 40. Michigan was up by 40 halfway through the second second half. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and kind of like what I was saying, bad day for one, good day for another. I think this was, that was a combination of both. I mean, Michigan was just on fire, mm-hmm. and they're at 11 and 0 right now. There are not a, there are not a whole lot of undefeated teams left in college basketball. So Michigan being one of them, good on them. So it, it's going to be interesting because Michigan and Iowa the two teams right now at the top of the big 10 they only play each other once they don't have they don't have a two game series this year so they they only play once and that game is going to be in ann arbor on the 4th of march mm-hmm. of course everything is covid pending but that that's going to be interesting so from now until then it's going to be kind of wait and see because mm-hmm. you you, you want to give credit where credit is due they've beaten three ranked teams in their last four games in, in Northwestern, who was at the time ranked 19 Minnesota at the time was 16 and Wisconsin last night, who was nine. So they, they've got, they got, a, they got a tough one going to Minnesota on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And we, and as, as Iowa fans, we, we know the dangers of going into Minneapolis. So that'll be, that'll be another lost And the Gophers haven't lost at home this year too. So exactly. that definitely throws up a little bit, but just, I don't know this, this Michigan team, like that, that game between Michigan and Iowa right now, I think, I think could be for the big 10 title. I think whoever wins that could win the big 10, just, just by the way they're playing currently. Now, a lot of things still to happen. Iowa still got to play Wisconsin twice. Iowa still got Michigan state, which is always a pesky team. So there's still a lot of games. Iowa plays Illinois as well. So it's like, there's still a lot of games that, that, that are, 
they're going to shape this big 10, but if they hold serve and they hold form, as I've heard some people say, I think Michigan and Iowa, that game, that game there in early March could be the big 10 title uh, decider on who's going to win the regular season and uh, who's going to be the number one team in the big 10 tournament, which could be absolutely massive come seeding in March, which would be absolutely insane. Um, Yeah. Four of four of Iowa's last five games are against ranked teams. Wisconsin twice, Ohio State, and Michigan, and three of those games are on the road. Yep. So, so Iowa's going to have a couple of games that they're definitely going to be favored significantly to win. They've got Michigan State, Northwestern, Indiana, and Nebraska as the next four. So you would, you would think that they should be able to win all four of those. Northwestern on the road will be a, t- a tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Indiana and Nebraska are a little bit lower on the on the ladder in the Big Ten, so it, it's going to be a matter of taking care of what you need to take care of and showing up when it matters. Completely and, and, agree. And it, it's going to be really interesting, like we've like we've said, come March and seeing those games against Wisconsin and those games against Ohio State and Michigan. So it, we we only have we only have better basketball to look forward to. And it's going to keep going through March and just hopefully everything goes well in terms of not getting canceled with COVID. So, so that we actually get to see these games because there are definitely a lot of games that have been canceled, including a couple of really good games for Baylor that have been canceled. They just had another one canceled. Yeah. Their game against West Virginia yesterday. I was really looking forward to that, but, but, but I gotta go, I gotta go back. There were two other games yesterday and both were upsets. Do we want yeah. to go? Do we want to go with the bigger one or the smaller one first? With with this next conversation, let's, know exactly let's talk, what I'm talking about. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and talk about the big one. Let's let's uh, go ahead and go uh, to Stillwater here. Yes, we got to go to Stillwater. The five point win is Oklahoma State knocks off number six Kansas seventy five seventy in Stillwater, and the 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 Jekyll and Hyde season of Kansas continues with their with their their. Their great play, their bad play. Their great play, their bad play, and another absolutely devastating loss in the Big Twelve. I mean, Kansas is starting to lose touch with Baylor. I mean, if you're in K, if you're in KU, if you're a Kansas fan right now, are you panicky? I, I want to say no, just because of the track record of Bill Self and knowing how they've been able to ride the storm a little bit and be able to keep going into into tournament time and be able to pull that off. So I, I wouldn't say panicky yet. I would more, I would say more slightly concerned mm-hmm. that that'd be the word that I would use. Yeah. And it just, I'm, I'm looking at the big 12 standings right now. I mean, they are two games back of Texas and Baylor as we speak right now, they are already two games back of those two and Texas. Now the good thing is, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in our preview is that a massive matchup between Texas and Texas tech coming up later tonight, since we are recording Wednesday, just before that game. So, I mean, there's the possibility of of Texas coming back to Kansas with one of the losses and only being one game back. But the fact you're already two games back of the conference leader and you've still got games against Baylor, that'll help them. 
but you're a little concerned. I agree with you. I don't think you're hitting the panic button, but you're a little concerned in KU that it's like you're losing games you can't afford to. If exactly. you want to be in the Big Ten 12 title race and be the number one seed going to the Big 12 tournament and then jumping from the big one to a slightly smaller one, but still a little bit of a surprise with number 20 Virginia Tech knocking off Duke 74-67 by seven and a very good game. Virginia Tech continues to be one of those pesky rated not always glamorous ACC teams that gets a lot of the love but another loss for Duke and this Duke program again continues to just they're not the Duke of old this I don't know what it is they just they don't have the same reverence as years before yeah they're kind of just they're kind of just floating in purgatory almost Mm -hmm. yep I mean they they've had a significant amount of games either canceled or postponed they had they had COVID troubles earlier on but yeah they they go and lose to Virginia Tech, and I mean, their only other losses, if we're being fair to Duke, have been to a Michigan State team, which we've talked about being tough, and Illinois being tough. So, mm-hmm. so technically speaking, they haven't had a whole lot of eyebrow raising. What the heck was that moment? I mean, West Virginia. I mean, Virginia Tech, maybe a little bit, but they they still got a lot of really really good basketball to play. They've got Louisville and Clemson coming up this month. And then, of course, they've got their games against North Carolina. Um, so, so they're like I was saying, they're kind of floating around. And, I mean, like, no one's really talking about them. And when no one's talking about Duke, that kind of feels like something's wrong. I mean, that's like, that's like talking about college football and not talking about Alabama or Ohio State and them kind of being off a little bit. But, well, yeah, it's... it – and, I, and I've heard this discussion before. It's like if you, if you go – if you look at it, the, the, the term blue blood – is thrown around so much in college basketball and this in the blue bloods uh, of college basketball the, the 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 teams that you expect to be in the top 10 top 15 are not they're not acting like blue bloods this year kentucky Duke, is north carolina out. kentucky yeah and kansas you and can, even yeah. throw in kansas a little bit now they've, they've been more successful of the teams but if you really look at it north carolina is down they haven't been playing well duke is kind of they've run into their troubles not only with covid but they've lost a few games and honestly i think they probably should have won and then kentucky and now they've kind of battled back into the into the sec a little bit after an atrocious start to the season and, and actually there for a while it had a losing record but was actually pretty high in the sec standings but a, a a loss to alabama and alabama has been the surprise of the sec being five and oh i mean i i gotta admit it's alabama weird. basketball school now it's weird it's weird seeing both alabama football and basketball leading the sec it's definitely interesting in it but the blue blood struggling is rather, I don't know if it's good for college basketball or bad because some of the blue bloods have some of the biggest fan bases. So you just don't know, like for me, the variety, I like it, but you do kind of miss the, the, the tradition that is the, the blue bloods in college basketball. So it is a little, it's a little sad seeing North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, and Duke not, not playing as well as years before again, Kansas. Yeah. They've only had a couple of losses, but a couple of their losses are, are ones that you would prototypically not add to their, to their resume as early as they're having it. So so, so I think that's really kind of going over all of the really big games since the last time we had a discussion. To, and I, I 
got to say that tonight's game from recording this this Texas Texas Tech game I, I will definitely have eyeballs on it because this looks like a big one for the Big 12 because Bay, Texas cannot afford to fall behind a game on Baylor this early with still games of Baylor coming up well and then for Texas Tech they're going to have that game against Texas tonight and then they have to play Baylor so that's going to be interesting. They do have them in Lubbock, though. So mm-hmm. we, we saw what they were able to do to, to Kansas earlier in the year at home. So if Texas Tech can catch a little bit of fire, they they can be dangerous. I mean, Texas Tech's no pushover. Completely but it, it's, always, it's always the, are they going to be there? Are they not going to be there? Quite literally and figuratively for Baylor. So hopefully they don't have any more of their games canceled. Uh, another one to keep an eye on a little bit, a little bit off the beaten path here. Um, Clemson versus Virginia. That's going to be at five o'clock on ESPN on Saturday. That's, that's going to be a big one. Clemson's really starting to come into their own a little bit here. They're sitting pretty at nine and one. They're really, really kind of taking the, the basketball world by surprise a little bit. Yeah. The Saturday slate, there's, there's several matchup of, of, of ranked ranked opponents you got ohio state illinois ohio state illinois michigan minnesota you've got baylor texas tech you've got that virginia clemson game and then just i mean and again i'll show my bias almost a little bit the great west coast matchup that's that's become popular over the years st mary's and gonzaga it's not it's not rated rated but st mary's has always found a way to they're, give gonzaga a little bit of trouble so this yeah, trip a bit of a tough trip to moraga is one of the few one of the few games every year that the WCC, their Gonzaga fans are a little concerned uh, going into it. That and the trip to BYU are always the two that are definitely difficult. But And then since we're going off this, one of the Blue Bloods, because they've been so pesky, Kansas plays Iowa State on Saturday, and Iowa State has been pesky and has always given Kansas State trouble. So that's another game to take a look at. The, the new style Big East, Creighton and Butler play each other that day. So Saturday's got a lot of absolutely dynamite basketball games. Talking about that Iowa State one, I mean, Iowa State was pushing Baylor too. They pushed Baylor earlier in the year. They're right now sitting at 2-7 and Iowa State, but you can't ever throw that program under the bus. You you always kind of have to be a little bit mindful of them. And, I mean, it is a little bit of a – little bit more of a lopsided matchup going to Allen Fieldhouse, but we've seen it happen before. I Mm -hmm. mean, you never – you never – hear enough about Iowa State basketball being from this state so it's going to be it's going to be interesting and then the big game the biggest of big games in the Big 12 happens Monday January 18th Kansas and Baylor in Waco Texas that game against Iowa State could be critical because if Kansas can go into Baylor into Waco with a little bit of momentum you never know the Jayhawks always they play Baylor tough that'll be a good one I'm going to be sitting right in front of my tv absolutely enjoying that one i can not wait uh, other than that i gotta say there, there's not a ton of matchups of, of rated rated teams there's several intriguing ones coming up uh, of some of some teams that have pulled some upsets i mean again the upset has been just absolutely just running wild in the NCAA and I'm absolutely loving it. The top 25 is fluctuating constantly. As soon as you think, you know, a team's there, they're gone because they lose a couple of games. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, 
I I don't know, sir. I mean, was there a, was there an upset over this weekend that kind of surprised you? I mean, the big one for me, um, I would I would have to go with Maryland, uh, Maryland beating Illinois this past week. Um, that was the big one for me. But other than that, I mean, really looking forward, I, I'm really looking forward to that game on Monday between Kansas and Baylor. I mean, we always talk about Kansas showing up when the when the spotlight is brightest. So if, if we know anything about Bill's self is that he'll have his guys ready. I mean, he'll, he'll be using fuel from getting embarrassed by Texas from losing, um, losing to Oklahoma state. So it's going to be, it's going to be a real barn burner that one. So hopefully that one is able to go ahead and hopefully we're able to get a really good show out of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that game. That game is going to be one of the games of the season. And, um, I don't know about you, but I think college basketball, we've pretty much covered everything that we wanted to there. Let's move to the pitch. Let's move over to Europe. And we got to talk about some football because the EPL has going to have an absolutely massive game when it comes to the standings this weekend with the Titan matchup of number one, Liverpool, number two, Manchester United. I know you are a German Bundesliga head, but I got to ask, sir, will you be trying to watch this absolutely amazing football game this weekend? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're talking about the practically, historically speaking, one of the biggest matchups in all of European football. And when you're talking about Liverpool and Manchester United, you're talking about two teams that are always out to be able to go one, one, one ahead of each other. And you've got Manchester United who have really started to put everything together. I mean, I remember earlier, earlier this season, we were on the podcast talking and we were questioning about whether Ole Gunnar Solskjaer should still have his job. And now look where he is. He's got Manchester United top of the table mm-hmm. and he's got Bruno Fernandes actually playing what I think is some of the best football in the prem right now. He, he's really been able to turn the entire club on its head. Paul Pogba is coming into form really well. Uh, you got guys like Rashford, Martial, who are playing really well right now for United as well. But when you're talking about Liverpool, you, you got to ask the question about their defense. They've mm-hmm. had so many injuries through Virgil van Dijk, Joe Gomez, and you have to, you have to wonder, are they able – to stop the star power that Manchester United has been able to put together recently. And their, their recent form has shown that they won four out of their last five in the league and Liverpool are going to have their work cut out for them. The game's going to be at Anfield. So there's always that added charm of being able to play at your home home pitch, but it's, it's going to be really, really, really fun to watch that game. So any, any other games that you're going to be paying attention to this weekend, Donnie? Well, I, I got to go back to this real quick because a buddy of mine is a massive Liverpool fan. And, and, oh, and yeah. I've, I've, I've listened to some of the other podcasts and some of the other people discussing it. And, and it's one topic that I, I, I've noticed a lot more pundits have talked about is, is Liverpool's lack of goal scoring from their front three of Mane, Salah, and Firmino has been a worry. Um, in their last few games, they have not put up goals. They have not been scoring. So I think that almost is just as much of a worry as the defensive things because they have not been able to burn teams. They get their chances. Liverpool will. They're, they're high press. Jurgen Klopp's system always seems to find a way to get them chances. They just have not been burying them. So the biggest question will be is with Manchester United, they're going to sit back. They're going to soak up pressure because they know they don't. They want to attack on the counterattack. 
can Liverpool keep the pressure on it and put one in the back of the net and force Manchester United out of that defensive stature? If they can, if they can score early, I think Liverpool can win this football game. Honestly, Liverpool has the better team if you really look at it. But the question is, is whose style dominates? Because if this becomes Liverpool passing it around the outside, not really doing much attack, not really getting many shots on goal, Manchester United can nip them on the break, score an 85th minute winner, and walk out of Anfield with a 1-0 lead. And be up three points and be up even more than the three point than the three points they're already up. And that'll be absolutely insane considering Liverpool will only have one more matchup of Manchester United and still no end in sight for some of the injury issues. So this this is a game that it's almost a must win for Liverpool if they want to keep within touching distance of winning this title because Manchester City is coming. They still have a game in hand and they're only one point back. I mean, if I'm Liverpool, you almost do want to take a, a win at all cost mentality into this game. I mean, don't worry about the FA Cup. Don't worry about Champions League. If you want to win this league, this game is absolutely crucial. We'll see. Absolutely. Absolutely crucial. Looking at it, um, looking at the slate, um, EPL is just always interesting. You just never know how games are going to go. Aston Villa Everton, you had talked to me earlier in the year, and I thought, man, this is going to be a lower table game. But, I mean, you've got fifth versus eighth here. This is going to be a good game of football. I mean, Everton is there. Everton wants to be in those European spots. You can definitely tell um, Aston Villa wants to be there. So this this could be a game to see what team gets into the maybe the, the Europa League spots in the bottom part of the Champions League. Crystal Palace and Man City. Crystal Palace it tends to be a thorn in Manchester City's side. So who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe Crystal Palace helps out Liverpool and Manchester United by keeping Man City off the three points. And another one on Tuesday, you got Leicester City versus Chelsea at the King Power. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've been asking the question all season of what is Chelsea's best 11 look like? And is Leicester able to compete with the big boys? And I think that that question in itself has been answered. Yes, they can. But he, he, like we said all season, how is Chelsea going to look? How are they going to set themselves up? I mean, right before the FA Cup break, which we can talk about here in just a little bit, Chelsea went and lost 3-1 to Man City. Mm-hmm. And you, you, it, it's really tough for Chelsea. They, they've got an away game on Saturday against Fulham, and then they've got Leicester away. So they've got two consecutive road matches, even though Fulham isn't that much of a road match for Chelsea since it's a London matchup. It's going to be it's going to be strange because Chelsea right now they're sitting at ninth in the table. Of course, all of those teams from about right around fourth to tenth are all within six points of each other. But it's going to really start to kind of narrow down what teams are really contending for European football next season and which teams are kind of dropping off. So that one in itself is going to be a really big one. Yeah, that's it. There's so many good games, and you just never know. There's always interesting and intriguing matchups in the EPL because this is one of those where it's like you just never know. And Chelsea has just not been, they've not been the club that I think a lot of people expected after all the money that they spent in, in the transfer window over this last season, bringing in some of the guys. They just have not gotten it right. And the fact that Lampard's seat now is getting a little warmer is definitely going to see how he responds to that. Well, I don't know about you, sir, but, um, 
England is has done well, but I, I I have to jump. I have to ask you. We gotta go to your beloved Germany. We gotta go check on you. We gotta go check to the German Bundesliga. And I guess uh, if I hear you right, they jumped into the DFB Pokal. Um, were there any surprises? Uh, yeah. It has. <laughs> Sorry it has to lead to you be into said. this one. Sorry to lead you into this. Oh, uh, it's it's. It has to be done. Bayern Munich today, on the day of recording on Wednesday, just went and got beaten in the DFB Pokal by a second-tier team, Holstein Kiel. So congratulations to Holstein Kiel. Well done. A 95th-minute equalizer to send it to a penalty shootout. They win that one 6-5. to five. So that is only a little bit irritating. But I, I will say, as a, as a Bayern fan, Last year, when we lost 5-1 to Eintracht Frankfurt, that immediately led to the firing of Niko Kovac and straight into the hiring of Hansi Flick. And that really lit a fire under everybody and got everybody playing well again. So there's definitely no need to push a panic button, even though we've just gone and lost two games where we've taken the lead early and then end up losing. Um, It'll be interesting, but... Uh, another game that was really a lot more interesting in the league over the weekend was a 3-1 victory for Borussia Dortmund on the road against RB Leipzig. That's a big one considering Leipzig have just gone and brought in Dominic Schobeschlei from, from Salzburg. So that's a big one for Borussia Dortmund, kind of holding Leipzig back from being able to jump Bayern. So Bayern is still on top of the table. Another one that's really interesting Schalke, we've been talking about them all year, having been on the bottom of the table the entire year. They've started to turn it on a little bit. They've got their first league win of the season, and they beat Hoffenheim by four goals to nil. And Matthew Hopp, that's a name that a lot of you probably aren't going to be too familiar with, but Matthew Hopp is an American international playing for Schalke. He scored a hat trick for them and he is the first American born player to record a hat trick in the Bundesliga not Christian Pulisic not Tyler Adams not Josh Sargent Matthew Hopp so that's going to be a name to look out for in the future so it's it's really kind of interesting Donnie now Schalke might be able to pull themselves out of the relegation zone they're right now sitting at second bottom on seven points four behind at Sekun for the playoff spot so it's really kind of funny seeing Schalke at this point but you probably could talk to some Schalke fans and think that people are starting to get a little bit a little bit of confidence that they're going to at least be able to pull it together enough to come out of the relegation spots and the other crazy thing too is did you hear the stat that they did you hear the stat that they broke winning this game they had not won in 31 consecutive matches that was tied for the longest Bundesliga or German record ever. So yeah. the fact that they find a way to do that, and then a young American nicks in three goals for a hat trick. And the one of the more interesting stories that I heard is he was interviewed by one of the television stations after. And one of the questions he got asked was what did he thought about the fact that Schalke was looking for a new striker in this transfer window, which 
thankfully the young man handled it quite well. He talked about the game. He talked about it, kind of everything that happened. He didn't really kind of discuss it, but it was definitely kind of, I felt a little bit sad for the young man that he has this great accomplishment. He sets a little bit of a, he sets a record in Germany. And the first thing he, one of the first things he gets asked is, is what does he think about a potentially somebody coming in and taking the spot that he literally has a real good argument that I just put in three goals in a league game. Why are you looking for a new striker? Exactly. It's kind of, kind of one of the odd stories of, of of the German Bundesliga this last week. And I'm happy for Schalke and I'm happy for this young man. And hopefully he continues progressing well. And maybe he shows Schalke why maybe they shouldn't be looking for a new striker. Yep, they're going to have their work cut out for them this weekend. They're going to be going on the road to take on a very tough Eintracht Frankfurt team and a couple of other games to keep an eye out for in the Bundesliga this weekend. Union Berlin have been one of the more positive shocks of the Bundesliga this year. They're sitting in the Europa League spot in fifth right now. They're going to have a home match against Bayer Leverkusen, who are sitting in third place right now. And Leverkusen are sitting four points behind Bayern, two points behind Leipzig. So it's Bayern Leipzig and, and Leverkusen with Dortmund sitting fourth and Union fifth. Another one to really keep an eye out for. It's going to be Falfel Wolfsburg. They're going to have Leipzig at home. So those are the two big ones that are going to be uh, games to watch in the Bundesliga this weekend. Yeah, definitely a lot of really good games. I'm hoping they can all stay close. I mean, there's only a two-point gap between Leipzig and Bayern. So I was definitely having to see, can the German Bundesliga be as competitive as some of the others? I mean, I'll do all due respect to to Italy and Spain, but there hasn't been a ton of changes. I mean, we did have some, some big matches in there. But um, honestly, um, with today being Wednesday and today being the start of the NHL season, I, I, I got to go to it. We, we got to jump to it. We got to do a little bit of a quick season preview. And I got to ask you, Brad, I mean, I know you are a Chicago Blackhawks fan. How excited are you for this NHL season to go? And, and kind of what, what are your expectations for not only for your Hawks, but kind of this NHL season? I mean, this is going to be quite interesting with, with COVID's effect on the divisions and, and the players and different stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be really interesting. I got to, I got to break the sweater out of the closet, kind of get, kind of shake the dust off a little bit, and gonna at, right after we're recording this podcast, gonna turn the TV on and get to watching the Blackhawks. It it is kind of weird for me personally because where I where we're living, we're not we're not in the Chicago broadcast region, but all of the games, if if you're watching them on NHL TV for the Blackhawks, are blacked out, so you don't get to watch them unless they're on national TV, which which sucks in itself, but It'll be really cool to get to see them. They're going to be back in a division with Detroit. So we're going to get to kind of renew that rivalry a little bit. But kind of with the whole division realignment thing, with the whole Canadian division in itself and seeing teams like Minnesota and St. Louis playing in the Western division this year and Carolina and Florida playing in the uh, Central division with Tampa and all that, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. But I know also that you are a Sabres fan and you've used this, you've used this analogy a couple of times, but it's kind of a bit of a slaughterhouse that Eastern division. So you got Boston, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Washington, all of those teams that have been really, really tough over the last couple of years. So for and you, New York teams, exactly. So New York, New York and New Jersey, it's, yeah. it's going to be fun. Um, the Eastern, the Eastern division, honestly, I think, it's who comes out the least beat up 
uh, out of that division. It's going to be absolute slog. I, I yes, I am a Buffalo Sabres fan, but it's hard for me to argue that Boston or Washington are not going to find their way to, to win this division. They're the two best teams altogether. The biggest question I have for Boston is how does how does life after Zdeno Chara, and Washington is how is life with Zdeno Chara? I mean, exactly. it's going to be quite interesting to see that first Boston versus Washington matchup. You don't have the fans, so you don't have really that. But it's like, how does New Jersey do? Does New Jersey bounce back? How is Newton, the Islanders? I mean, upon recording, the first game in that division has already ended. I don't know if you want me to tell you or not, but Philadelphia has found a way to beat Pittsburgh 6-3. to three. Yeah, I'm looking so, at so, it right now. So a little bit of, a little bit of a surprise right off the bat. Um, when it comes to that division a little bit, I, w- I would have pegged Pittsburgh, but you just, you never know the way this thing is going. So, I mean, if you had to twist my arm, I think, I think with the playoffs sounding like it's going to be the top four teams from each division. So it, it, you, you tell me to pick my playoff teams right now. I probably go Washington, Boston, Pittsburgh, and Philadelphia would probably be, I'd say New Jersey, Buffalo, maybe the Rangers, I, I just don't know. The Rangers are going to be quite of an interesting team without Henry Lundqvist this year. The Islanders were really good last year and made that great run in the playoffs. How do they back it up this year? So, so I mean, if you had to ask me now, Washington, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Boston, I think are going to be the four teams coming out of the East. Uh, we'll, we'll jump to the Central with your Blackhawks, and we'll, we'll kind of get um, we'll kind of get your who do you think of the four teams that are going to come out of the Central? Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to overlook Tampa. I mean, the defending champions going in, I think are going to be definitely the odds on favorite to win that one. Um, Dallas is the other one. I mean, you got the two teams that were in the Stanley Cup final last year in the same division now. So I think those two are going to be really, really tough. I'm setting relatively low expectations for the Hawks this season. I think we're definitely in a bit of a, in a bit of a, I I guess you can kind of say a rebuild. Um, Taves is out indefinitely. Kirby Doc's out for four to five months after going wrist have undergoing wrist surgery. Um, Nashville's a really tough team. They've been really good over the past couple of years. And Carolina's also really tough. They, they've been kind of interesting. And then Florida, they've been kind of they've been wanting to get better. They're they're kind of right on the fr- right on the fringe. Um, Bobrovsky's definitely gonna be a question mark of how how well he's gonna do. For me, I got Tampa winning the division. I've got Dallas in second. I would probably put Nashville third, and I, I would probably say Carolina fourth. Um, Columbus has a couple of questions about whether Pierre-Luc Dubois is happy there, whether he wants out. Um, and then Florida's always a question mark. Detroit's not quite there. I don't think Chicago's quite there. Columbus. So I, I would say Tampa, Dallas, Nashville, and Carolina would be my four. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty much with you there. The only the only one Carolina, Columbus would be the only Columbus would be the only team I potentially see maybe being potentially in there. Um, do you want the West or the North, sir? Um, I'll take the North. Okay, I think so. I think the it's it's really interesting. Uh, having Canada's game and quote, quote quotation marks there Canada's game, even though we won the World Juniors. Yeah, but, but they've um, got the gold. They've got the gold medal in the Olympics, exactly. unfortunately. So they, yep. they've got a little bit of a higher right there. You don't mean to yep. argue. I the Canadian division. I, I oh boy, <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of it's it's a tough one to call because you you never you, ne- you never yeah you never really know what you're gonna get out of Toronto. 
I mean, you, you want to think that they're going to do well, and then they end up completely crap in the bed. Edmonton has the two-headed monster of McDavid and Dreisaitl, and you, you always have to question whether or not they have the supporting pieces around them to be, be able to launch a full-season run. Calgary as well. I mean, they've got a couple of really good guys. Ottawa and Montreal are kind of not really quite there. Vancouver is a, a, a good question as well. I mean, I've seen a couple of, of NHL staffers who are saying that Vancouver might be able to go and win the division. Um, for me, I would probably say Toronto wins out of the seven there. Uh, Winnipeg's, ha- Winnipeg's got a bunch of question marks. Uh, Patrick Laine, the question is about whether he is going to be there long-term or whether he's going to want to get out. Shifley, Wheeler, and all those guys being able to consistently perform with Buffalo and all that on the defense. So I would probably say Toronto, Edmonton, probably Winnipeg third and Vancouver fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the fifth one that I'd probably say is right on the fringe would be Calgary. So for me, the two that are on the, definitely on the outside looking in would probably be Montreal and Ottawa. So yep. I'm going to go again, Toronto, Edmonton, and I think that those two are really going to be battling out. I think every game that those two play are going to be the ones to look look at in the northern in the northern division. So that that's going to be the one for me. Yeah, I'm 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 right with you there. I got Toronto, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary in that one. I think I think Winnipeg still has too many question marks, and Ottawa and Toronto are going to be the whipping boys of that particular division. I feel kind of sorry, but it looks like the western part of Canada is going to be dominating that particular division. So now we go to the West, and I think the West is one of those. It's it, it literally is going to be the wild wild West because I don't know. There, there are question marks on a, on a couple of teams. I mean, Los Angeles, I don't know what to think of them. Colorado, Vegas, and St. Louis are the three I almost feel like are no doubt playoff teams. But each of the other teams has a question mark. I don't know. Can Arizona continue their well run? How are the Ducks doing? Have they started a kind of their revamp? Minnesota has moved down a few of their veteran players, so they're starting to go a little bit younger. So how do they bounce back? And then San Jose has probably one of the most interesting storylines in the entire NHL. I don't know if you have heard of this. Have you heard of the crazy story coming out of San Jose? I think I know where you're going with this, but I'll let you go ahead and explain By the it. name of Evander Kane. Evander Kane has told the San Jose Sharks that he is filing for bankruptcy and does not plan on playing at all this year to not earn his paycheck. This is one of the most interesting stories in the NHL, and the season has not even started yet. The puck hadn't even hit the ice, and you've already got this very interesting kind of weird yeah, that's that's putting it light that's putting it nicely storyline yeah san jose um i i think this is going to affect this team san jose has kind of fire sailed a lot of those old veterans that they were used to being there so uh, right now i think colorado wins this division quite easily i i vegas and and st louis are really their only other competition um then I think it's up between Anaheim, Arizona, and Minnesota. I, like I said, I just don't, I don't know Minnesota. Dubnik is gone. The, the, the aging superstars and Parise and, and Weber on the back line. So I just, I don't know. Like I, finding a fourth team in this West is going to be interesting because there's so many different, so many different varieties. I mean, 
there are teams in the central and the east that are kicking themselves because I bet they'd probably want to be in the western division because they'd probably find a little bit easier way to making the playoffs. So this this NHL season is going to be in in, in short words entertaining and weird because it, it will you for for some of these teams like especially myself is that you don't have the west coast swing you don't have the vancouver edmonton calgary trip with the arizona los angeles san jose uh trip so for me it's like every single game is going to be in the eastern eastern time zone so it's kind of pleasure for me but it's like then i feel bad for fans of st louis and of minnesota because they're going to have to be playing Los Angeles. They're going to have to be playing Vegas. They're going to have to be playing. So it's like I kind of feel sad for some of the people in the Midwest that, that their team is playing in the West because they're going to be a lot more games at 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock Central time because – It'll be interesting to see the tra- it'll be interesting to see the travel logs at the end of the regular season to see how many miles one team has traveled as compared to another. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, those Canadian teams you got Montreal is going to have to travel all the way to Vancouver several times, Toronto, and vice versa. Yep, yep. The the Western Canadian team, I mean, Winnipeg, kind of sits in the be- in, in the best case because it's they're going east and west, so they don't have to go all the way across country. I mean, they're kind of halfway between, so. Uh, this this NHL season is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Buffalo's first game is tomorrow. Not looking forward to our opponent. We play the Washington Capitals in the first game. So yeah, yeah fun. Hello. Well, I mean, I mean Charlie. to be to be fair, the Blackhawks have to go and play Tampa. Yeah. So they they're going to have their work cut out for them tonight in fact, as well. In fact, as we're recording currently, that game is just about to start. So I I think, sir, since you are since you were definitely wanting to watch that game, let's get your crazy stat out of the way, and we'll we'll sign off and let you get in front of your television. Well, thank you very much for that. I, it's going to be very fun watching the game tonight. So for my crazy stat, we're going to track back to football here, the European kind of football. So the magic of the FA Cup. We, all, we always love hearing the stories of the minnows playing the Giants. Oh and we, we've, we've got a couple of those that have, that have happened this week. So a couple of the big ones. Uh, Crawley Town, they play in League Two, which is the fourth tier of English football. They went and played Leeds United, who were just recently promoted. And Crawley beat Leeds three goals to nil. How about that? The and and I'll give you kind of an idea as to just what kind of um, David Goliath matchup we're talking here. So, if we're talking about first place team in the Premier League playing the first place team in the Championship, that's a twenty position gap in mm-hmm. terms of the standings. Crawley Town is sixty-two league spots lower than Leeds, and they went and beat them by three goals to nil. Now, there are a couple more here that I want to talk about. There's a team named Chorley who are in the sixth division, and they played a game against Darby County, who are in the championship, which is the second division. They won that game 2-0. Now, I'm going to give a little bit of of slack to Darby here. They were without most of their first team and without their manager, Wayne Rooney. But by far, the biggest – David Goliath matchup was Tottenham Hotspur, which is a very well-known club throughout the world, playing a team called Marine FC. Mm-hmm. Now, Marine FC play in the eighth tier 
They play in the Northern Premier League Division One Northwest, which is step four, which is the fourth division of the non-professional leagues. And their league is currently suspended due to COVID restrictions. So it was their first match in multiple weeks because they weren't able to play. And they suited up an eighth division team against a Premier League giant, 161 positions in the league standings from Tottenham all the way down to Marine FC. Marine FC ended up losing 5-0 to Tottenham. But the fact that we get to see that kind of a matchup where it's a 161-team gap is absolutely remarkable. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the magic of the FA Cup. Oh man, it's one of those it's one of those amazing tournaments that it's like you almost want to, you almost would love to find a way to have an equivalent of that here in the states. And the only thing that's close is the NCAA tournament. Like if you see a really small NCAA team find a way into the tournament, a like, Florida Gulf Coast, or like almost you'd almost have to say the only ever sixteen to beat a one the UMBC win over Virginia a few years ago. So it's like, you just don't see it. So they're always great yeah. stories. I mean, the closest thing in, in soccer would be the U S open cup. And the closest thing we've had to that, we've had a couple times where our hometown team here in Des Moines, mm-hmm. the Des Moines menace who play in the fourth division, they've played MLS teams a couple of times. They never mm-hmm. won, but their most recent was against sporting Kansas city. Uh, I think it was seven years ago and they went and played a two nil loss. But another one was this team named, uh, Oh boy, I hope I'm remembering this right. It was I think Chester FC, mm-hmm. but they were they were in the they were in the state of Maryland and they were playing DC United, and it was the same thing. It was a fourth division club playing MLS, and they actually scored on them and took the lead. So that's one of those things where you where DC United came back and won. But it's one of those things where it's it's always fun to see a non professional or an amateur team going up against one of the giants in your league. So it's, it's always fun. That's one of the beauties about cup competitions. Yeah, absolutely. Love it. Well, sir, um, because I, I, I'm a great generous individual and I know you want, you want to go see your Blackhawks play Tampa and they're on national TV. So we don't have to worry about that. Um, I think we're going to, we're going to sign off here. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Coach Hess's Sports Corner. I hope you've enjoyed the chat. Uh, we will be back next week and take a look at some more college football. Um, we're going to have to find a way to fill a little bit of a hole with college football being done, but I think we'll figure out something. So it's been a pleasure chatting with you, Brad. Uh, go enjoy your hockey game. You have a good night, sir. I definitely will. Thanks, Donnie. And that's it for me. You ladies and gentlemen, have a nice night, and we will see you again next week.